Hey guys, it's Robert Rochelle with D3VBWest.com. And I guess the powers to be have turned this into national, international podcast day, week, something of the sort. So of course, I had to uh, dust off the equipment and put a podcast together. And that's what you've got here today. And what I want to kind of touch on is one something that I've written on the website about points per set. It's a statistic that's kind of caught in my eye recently and I've done a couple of articles on it and I kind of want to go in a couple directions today that I really haven't gone and hopefully it will be entertaining. Hopefully you'll listen. Uh, regardless, it will be here on the internet, out there. Nobody can stop it. You can't hope to contain it. You can just listen. The, the latest article that's out on the website is basically a top 25 that's constructed from the average points per set a team has has done over the last five years. So I looked at the, the numbers they put together, I averaged them out over five years, and I came up with a top 25. You can go to the website, you can look at them. But I did kind of want to go through it kind of quick and touch on some things that, that I found interesting that I really didn't call out in the article. I think, you know, sitting at number one, Calvin, uh, not surprising. Um, they actually have kind of a, a big points per set lead over the second place team. Uh, it's about 0.22 uh, points per set uh, advantage. And when you look at them, they had two seasons of 18 or more. And if, you, if you've read the articles, you know that 18 is kind of like your magic number, your elite of the elite. You get to 18 and you're, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're really um, a candidate for the national championship that year. So Calvin, in the last five years, has two of those. Uh, they've got uh, the other three seasons were all 17 uh, points per uh, set seasons or higher. Uh, their lowest was 17.39 in 2018. So and they so they've just been real consistent. They obviously they bring in the talent. Uh, they're a powerhouse. They they're a, they're they're a team that has the potential to win it year after year. And the statistic really backs them up. Sitting at number two, and trust me, I won't go through all the teams like this, uh, is, I don't know, I think maybe the surprise of, of the entire list, and that's UT, da UT Dallas. Look, I mean, Texas, Texas Dallas, UT Dallas is a good team. And, even, and back in the 2015, 2016, back in 2014, when I thought of UT Dallas, because I would see them every year, um, is that they're a tremendous defensive team. That's that's what I thought of them as. I mean, I still remember it was, I think, 2016, where they went up and they played Washington St. Louis. And and the, and and what I heard back was that they just demoralized Washington St. Louis because they couldn't put the ball down. And so, you know, I knew they were good. I knew they have, they're, they're underrated nationally. Um, but, you know, when I think of them, when I thought of them, it was kind of defensively, but they still had the ability to put the ball down. So when you look at the 2015-2016 season, where they have uh, over 18 points per set, and even though obviously it doesn't show in this statistic, they had a tremendous defense. Um, the fact that they couldn't, you know, get into the Elite Eight, and, and part of that was just a tremendous run by my Southwestern team uh, that prevented it. But they were just a tremendous, tremendous team. 
And those two seasons, and then in 2017, they kind of, you know, their drop-off. They had a drop-off, right? They dropped off to 16.82. That's not too shabby, folks. And then the last two seasons, they've been above 17. So that's what got them into the second-place position. Just, you know, five tremendous seasons. Um, but I, I think when you look at the ASC and I, and I kind of touched on this in the article. You've got Mary Harden Baylor and you've got UT Dallas, and they're the they're the leaders in the respective divisions there, and they just don't get the press nationally that they deserve. And sure, you gotta win the games, you gotta abide by the selection criteria, but I I think I think they're viewed as teams that have to not only prove themselves, but go above and beyond. And and in the case of UT Dallas, and I also believe Mary Hunt Baylor, it's just not warranted. They should be teams that you think of just like you think of Juniata, just like you think of, of Hope or Wittenberg or, you know, Carthage. All teams they've done better than in this particular statistic. That's how we should be thinking of UT Dallas. Another team that jumped out at me was at number six, Northwestern St. Paul. And they were a team... Uh, that's always been, in my mind, a really good team, but not an elite team. I wouldn't think of them as a top 10 team, uh, average over a five-year period. Uh, I could see them maybe jumping in once or twice, but uh, I was really kind of surprised to see them all the way at six. Uh, five really good seasons, two where they were over 17. Their highest was 17.88. Uh, that was 2017. Um, a lot of that is due to uh, an outside hitter that was a senior in 2017, Lindsey Peterson. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous hitter. Uh, got to see her in 2016 in person at the, at the Elite Eight in Oshkosh. Um, but she, um, she, was, she was tremendous for them and, and really, you know, really, really uh, uh, provided the, the offense for them. Uh, but having said that, even when she left, yeah, there was a downturn, but they still are, are over 16 points, points per set. Uh, so that, that was another surprise. Uh, that was another surprise to me. Another team uh, we, should, we should probably talk about was number 10, uh, defending national champions, Johns Hopkins. Um, I don't know. Is there a belief out there that Johns Hopkins just came out of nowhere and ran the table and pretty easily won the national title? Um there's a part of me that kind of thinks that. Um, I got to see them in 2016 uh, at a tournament at Christopher Newport. Uh, this was before the coaching change. Um, you know, they were a good team. It was an interesting team. They, they had a very small roster. Uh, the previous coach was very unique in how he uh, seemed to deal with uh, pregame warm-ups and stuff. Um, so just a, a talented team. Uh, but I think the coaching change, plus the talent they had, plus an addition, uh, really, really just took them to a height that I couldn't have imagined. Um, but they're also at number 10, right? So, yeah, okay, you had a great season. That doesn't get you in the top 10. So you can, you can see that they've had a, a number of really good years um, to get them to that position. So, so you know, was this a fluke? Was this a one-time deal? No. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was a, a confluence of things that put came together and worked out perfectly, perfectly. Um, but uh, you know the talent was there, 
and that shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, Wittenberg. Wittenberg comes in at 13, not surprising. I guess maybe what's surprising is that they're not in the top 10, but what stopped that was this past season. They only averaged 15.65 points per set. Uh, that's something that typically will fall short for a team getting into the NCAA tournament as an at-large uh, uh, pool C bid, uh, but it was enough for them. And, uh, you know, I, if you remember back, they were a hard team to put in the tournament, and it was really almost by, well, I don't see anyone else that I would, that I would put in over them, uh, as opposed to, oh, wow, look at Wittenberg. They're great. Look at this resume. Um, they, they struggled for them. And um, that number kind of backs it up. And, and maybe, like, when you look at a team like MIT that came in uh, uh, at nine um, and, and really probably didn't get a lot of uh, push by the committee. I don't know. Maybe they did. Uh, but when I went through it, I really didn't, I, I really didn't push for them. Um, you know, over a Wittenberg, who I also had going into the tournament as an at-large. Uh, maybe I should have uh, reflected more on that. Maybe that wasn't the right team to, to put in. Um, you know, and they've had a coaching change. So it's going to be interesting to see, is this just a, 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 a bump in the road? Or is this something that we need to be concerned about for a team that's traditionally uh, a team that has a chance at the title every year? And let, and let me jump back to MIT, who, like I said, was at number nine. Um, you know, one of the problems... I have with the New England region is that at the end of the year, we don't really know what they are. We've had an entire season, but they tend not to move outside the region. So the data points that we have to kind of cross index all these teams and say, who's better than who um, are, is kind of missing. And, and on the flip side, their selection criteria always looks really, really good because there are a number of really good teams in the New England region. Again, my criticism is that we don't get the cross-pollination to the other regions, right? So, so in MIT, when I see them sitting here at number nine, I see this, these five seasons of really, really good volleyball, good statistics, and, and to know that like the last two years, they've averaged over 17 points per set, but they haven't, been into, they haven't received an at-large bid in those two years. So from that standpoint, you have to say that MIT has been grossly overlooked by the selection committee. So obviously you would have to look at the selection criteria. Why is that happening? Um, but this is a team that quite frankly, and I'd have to go look at the schedules over the last two years, but you know, they're obviously very, very strong. Can they do something to, to, to convince the selection committee? Obviously doing better in your conference or, or in the region, but maybe stepping out. Uh, just go drive down to Mid-Atlantic and and win some games, and maybe maybe that's what it is. But but if, if MIT were in the West Region, I'd be screaming bloody murder. So you know whoever's running that New England blog may want to jump on this. And by the way, I don't think there's a New England blog, but go ahead and start one. Let's see, we've got Barry uh, coming in at number twenty. Uh, they're just sort of a model of consistency. They have five sixteen point per set seasons. Uh, their highest was this past year, 16.75. Their lowest was 2016 at 16.38. So you can see there's not much delta in those numbers and that's how they've just been uh, consistently in this really good place. And you kind of see that in their results. 
And really the question for Barry is, you know, can you step it up? Can you find that the, the extra attacking that could get you into the 17-point uh, area and, and take that next step? I think they can do it. I think they've got the pieces in place. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. Nationally, the only thing I probably would want to add, uh, you know, Ithaca popped in at 22, the only New York region team uh, to be here. Uh, that's really not surprising uh, at all. Um, I was actually kind of wondering if we'd have a New York team at all when I was going through the numbers. So uh, so that's good. I mean, Ithaca's, Ithaca's fine. Um, uh, traditionally a very, very good team and, and definitely someone that, that should be represented here in the top 25. Uh, some teams that, uh, you know, missed out um, that you'd expect here, teams like, uh, and I'm just going to go through it, like Chicago. Uh, they're really more of a recent team, last three years. So they didn't didn't have the numbers uh, that you would expect there, um, you know. Like a team like Milliken was a team that was really good uh, early on. They like the the, the the first three years of this set, uh, some really good numbers, but they've dropped under 16 the last two years. Um, you know, Augsburg's a team that I kind of would expect there. Um, they're they're very similar actually to Barry, but they're like 20 places further down. And it's just because their level of consistency is less than what Barry's is. And it's just, it's that tight of a margin that, that takes you from 20 or takes you down to 40, which is where you find Augs Augsburg. Um, Marymount um, is an interesting team. They're coming in, Atlantic East should have a have an automatic qualifier. Uh, they, last five years, they've, they had one off year, 2017, where they were under just under 15 points per set. The other four years were tremendous, including 2018, where they were 17.47. So, you know, a lot of a lot of interesting uh, numbers here uh, could go on uh, for a long while. I'm, I'm going to touch now just briefly on some of the West Region teams and, um, and, and, and go from there. All right, so I do want to throw a, a bone out to the West Region followers. That's what the, the website was initially uh, catered to. Uh, and that's where my roots are. So I thought it was interesting that three of the top five came out of the West. They wouldn't have been the, I wouldn't have picked UT Dallas. I probably would have had Trinity there, but you've got UTD at two. You've got Colorado College at three. You've got CMS at four. You know, the, the Colorado College, CMS, those aren't surprising teams. Uh, they're, they're year in, year out going to be very, very good. It's going to be interesting with the uh, retirement of Rick uh, Swan uh, coming in 2021 you know, what direction will this school take? I mean, this is going to be a premier coaching job available and uh, a lot of pressure to keep uh, this string of NCAA tournament births, uh, which I think is at unofficially like 300 straight years, uh, to keep that going. Um, Mary Hart and Baylor uh, made the top 25, a team that I think flies under the radar. They're always pretty good. Uh, you know they had a coaching change last year that has a little bit of a drop off uh, in the in their points per set. Uh, they were outside looking in as far as a tournament berth. Uh, I don't you know for them I think they were behind Chapman. Chapman didn't make it in, so they never really were considered. But it was a team that was really one win away from probably uh, being selected. They just couldn't get that marquee win. Um, just outside the top 25, I think I mentioned the article was my Southwestern Pirates. They came in at 27. Um, really just the one down year in 2018 where they had 15.8 uh, 
Everything else looks looks really, really good. Um, Cal Lutheran may be a little bit of a surprise. They're at 33. Um, they've, you know, their strong years, 2016, 2015, obviously their championship year. Um, you know, and then just they haven't been as strong the last three years, although 2018 had a decent 16.05 points per set. Uh, right behind them, Trinity's at 35, Laverne at 36. Trinity, Trinity could be a top 10 team. They have to, their, their problem was 2015 was a big rebuilding year. They, they put up a 13.74. That's really, really hard to overcome uh, over the next four years. They were outstanding in those four years. Uh, but that one season moves them from probably top 10 down to 35. Uh, Laverne kind of up and down. Had a great 2016 season, 17.4. Got to see them at that uh, UT Dallas Regional. You know, and I should talk about that Regional for a second in a moment. <laughs> um, but just a couple down years in, in that, which is what gets them there. Uh, Whitworth, the first team from the, the Northwest Conference, they chime in at 45. Uh, again, um, uh, pretty, pretty consistent. Just two years where they weren't able to get to 16 points. Uh, kind of puts them in that boat. Pacific Lutheran, kind of the other, the yin and yang of, of Whitworth in that conference. Uh, they come in at 54, uh, same kind of a deal. Uh, a couple of down uh, below the 16-point margin uh, years, uh, but otherwise uh, a few really good years, uh, seasons. Uh, Chapman, Chapman comes in at 70. Uh, really seen their numbers skyrocket uh, the last two years. And that's not surprising. They've got a couple of really good young players there. I guess they're maybe not so young anymore, right? They're going to be junior seniors before we get to see them again. Uh, but that's really taken their team to a new height. Um, 81, Austin College. Uh, they had a really good 2016 year. Um, everything else is kind of good, just not great. That gets them to 81. Pacific is right behind them at 82. And um, Concordia, 86, uh, really based on the last two years for Concordia. And then the last West Region team we see in the top 100, Hardin-Simmons, comes in at 92. Uh, really no season over uh, 16 points, but five seasons right around, well, except for this last one, right around 15.7, 15.8 points per set. That consistency put them there. 15 teams in the West Region, if I counted correctly, uh, in the top 100. Uh, not too bad. Uh, three in the top five. Pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, not bad representation. Just need to keep going because we kind of have slacked off a little bit the last year or two. So we'll have to see how those numbers go. Let's talk about that 2016 regional for a second, if for no other reason but to uh, make me smile. All right, there's going to be some self-indulgence here because the 2016 UT Dallas Regional was probably the finest sporting event that I got to witness in person on television. And obviously that's because of my love for Southwestern and how they did, and also the love for my daughter and how and, and the role that she played on the team. Um, so I, I don't think that you can fault me in that. Um, if you're a UT Dallas fan, you may just want to flip this off right now. Uh, but when I, when I was going through the numbers, um, that 2016 was, year was obviously something that I was kind of particularly interested in. Um, as I mentioned in the article, there were three teams that had over 18 points per set, one of them being UT Dallas. They were the number one seed uh, 
in the West Region. They got to host the West Region. That's back in the day when we used to have West Regionals. Uh, the NCAA has made sure to stop that nonsense. Um, but we also had uh, the, the fourth highest points per set was Claremont Mud Scripps. They were the number two seed that year. Um, you know, Cal Lutheran um, was number seven that year. Um, just, just really stacked as far as what our numbers were. Cal Lutheran uh, actually got shipped out to the Northwestern uh, St. Paul Regional and lost, I think it was in five sets to them on their court. Uh, that was disappointing. That would have been, we would have had two teams from the West Region in the Elite Eight, and that would have been pretty impressive. Uh, but that Northwestern team was pretty special too. So I, I went and looked. There, you know, basically the way the NCAA did it is they drove Hendricks in. Hendricks was, was it the year before or two years before? They were actually a Final Four team. I think it was the year before. Um, so when you look at the seeds of that 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 regional, you had UT De and the seeding was kind of strange because you had so many teams from two conferences that they had to separate them. So the seeding was UT Dallas. They were 18.24 points per set. You had CMS, 17.9. Southwestern was actually the third seed. Um, you could have argued, you could have swapped them and Trinity, uh, you know, because Trinity had just won the conference uh, championship over Southwestern. Uh, but uh, Southwestern was at 16.23. Trinity was at 16.34. Hendricks was the fifth seed. They drove them in 17.25. Laverne, uh, 17.4. Colorado College was the seventh seed, kind of ridiculous, 17.08. Uh, and Whitworth out of the Northwest was 15.98, which is not too shabby at all. Um, and then, of course, you had Kalu hanging out over in Northwestern with a 17.53. So, I mean, this regional was really stacked. Everyone knew it was stacked. I think every team except for Whitworth was ranked. Um, and when I looked going into it, it was basically going to be UT Dallas or CMS. And um, what ended up happening, of course, was Southwestern uh, was able to take Laverne down in five. Uh, tremendous uh, first-round game. It was the first match of the regional and kind of set the tone. And so, you know, I kind of went back. Laverne, Laverne hit for almost a point per set better. And so I kind of looked at Southwestern's number. And you have to remember with points per set, when you go to a five set and you only play to 15, it kind of hurts your number. So I looked at the points per set through the first four sets, and Southwestern was hitting at an 18 point per set clip. 18. That was the elite status. And that's ultimately why they got by Laverne. Uh, they were at 16.8 when you consider the five sets. When they played Colorado College next, they swept them in three. It was it was really... Uh, 3-0 doesn't describe how... how really was not close at all. Uh, Southwestern hit at a 17.67 clip. Again, tremendously good. Uh, in the UT Dallas game, in the first four sets, Southwestern hit at 18.25. They basically hit the number that UTD did all year long. Um, and then, of course, they were able to win that fifth set. But So you can see Southwestern basically came in and hit at a two-point higher clip than they had all season, and uh, just you know, having seen it in person, I can give you my opinion as to why that. A couple reasons why that happened, but none of you care, so I won't. Um, when Southwestern went in and played Tufts in the Elite Eight round, uh, they hit at a 16.5, so they basically reverted back to what they had done all season long, which which is interesting. It was still good enough to beat Tufts, but wasn't good enough to beat Washington St. Louis the next night. 
So interesting, interesting to see how the numbers change and how a team obviously can raise its game to beat teams that probably they shouldn't. You have to remember UT Dallas just, I think, three days before uh, – gosh, uh, I don't want to say three days. It was, it was three days before the conference championship. You know, They came down to Southwestern on senior night and totally destroyed Southwestern. Um, so it's, you know, just, it's kind of a microcosm of volleyball of all sports, how a team can, can, can pick up their game, play at an, having played at a really good level is now all of a sudden playing at an elite level. And, um, obviously as a fan, uh, it was a, a proud moment for me, but, um, but I, I, that 2016 regional was just packed and it took a, a Herculean effort, uh, to come out of that. And um, anyways, uh, just something I found interesting, and thank you for indulging me on that. Well, if you made it this far, you, you certainly are a true fan of the website, a true fan of the podcast. Um, I don't really have much more to say than that. Um, maybe I'll reward you with this, this. I didn't realize this, so maybe you didn't either. But um, did you know the University of Northwestern and St. Paul are actually playing volleyball? right now uh, they actually put together a uh, just a non-conference uh, some school you know non d3 schedule to to play here in September and October and then in March uh, the UMAC will get get together and, and and play their season so I don't know that was interesting to me that there's there are there are some schools out there that have pushed forward um, and I can certainly see it if you don't have the COVID running wild and you've got things locked down pretty well. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, but um, obviously in the West, uh, we, don't, we don't have that luxury. But uh, it's good to see that somebody's got a little normalcy, normal, normalcy going in their life. And um, hopefully you're finding it in your own life wherever you can. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, happy. Be National Podcast Day, I guess. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.